Allie Lindenberg. And Nicole Mulkentine. And you're listening to Raw Authenticity. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we connect with creatives who are living a life of intentionality. Transparent conversations fuel us, and we value all parts of the creative process, especially the ones that are hard to talk about. Here, you will listen to stories of people who are putting something out into the world, hoping to leave it a little bit better than they found it. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. We're glad you're here. What's up, everybody? This is Allie Lindenberg here, and before I introduce our guest this week, I just want to say that I am going it solo this week without my lovely co-host, Nicole. She will be back for our next interview, um, and we miss her dearly, but today it, it will just be me talking with Sarah Neininger, who is the president of a wonderful nonprofit called Action in Africa. Action in Africa aims to facilitate community development and provide educational opportunities to as many people as possible in Uganda. And we love Sarah and all that she's doing. She's been involved with Action in Africa since she was 15 years old and being 27 now, she has a really incredible story to share. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so, so much for getting on a call today to chat. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. This has been a long time coming, so I'm excited to finally get into it and chat. Um, So the first question that I'll ask is just like, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, So my name is Sarah, and I grew up in Aspen, Colorado. I'm 27 years old, and I believe the reason why I was invited to be a part of this today is because um, I'm the president of a nonprofit called Action in Africa, which is a community development initiative based in Uganda. So that's kind of been my life. Ah, that's incredible. That was a very uh, thorough explanation with your age and everything. Appreciate that. <laughs> what I'm here for. Just so, just so everyone knows. So you are the president of this nonprofit called Action in Africa. And you said a little bit about what you guys do, but like, why did you start it? And, and what is just really like the mission and the purpose of it? Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of the history of it. Um, When I was in high school, our history teacher showed us a very stereotypical film about kids in Africa. And growing up in a place like Aspen, Colorado, it really rocked my world. Uh, My best friend and our history teacher decided to start a club. They called it Action in Africa, uh, which I was a part of, not like super, super involved, but like really they were kind of the pioneers of the organization. And what we would do as a club is we would do bake sales and fundraisers. And years later, we ended up doing a benefit concert with Run DMC. So we were tremendously successful with our fundraising efforts, but we weren't really sure what, like how to have the greatest impact. So we vetted a bunch of organizations that were already established and decided to just write them checks as we did our fundraising, which was an amazing experience. It really exposed us to a lot of incredible people doing some pretty phenomenal things. Uh, But my senior year, we were invited to go and visit one of the nonprofits and see where our money was going. And that's really what transitioned us a little bit more into this wanting to be hands-on and be on the ground work versus just being funders and donors. So, and that was in 2008. So it's been a while since that process and we've grown and changed and expanded and learned a lot in the last couple of years since that. 
Um, what we do now, which has been the last three years, is we operate a community center, uh, very similar to a YMCA or a Boys and Girls Club. And we have a variety of free services, so medical services, after school programming, feeding programs, ways to support the schools in our village. Um, so, you know, it looks really unique and specific to this community that we work in, but we serve anywhere from 300 to 500 kids a day at our facility. And then we provide breakfast to over 600 kids between the schools we work with in the community. So we do a lot of things for one small organization and in this one community. Yeah, that's, well, that's incredible. That's like you said, you guys were figuring out how to make the best impact and it certainly sounds like you've figured that out. Um, well, we're trying. Yeah, in the process of trying. I think that's really beautiful too that it's been such a part of your life for so long and it hasn't been this one same thing the whole time that it's grown and it's changed and evolved. Yeah, I, I'm obviously very biased, and um, but it, it's been a really beautiful thing to kind of lean into the challenges and go through the growing periods and be really vulnerable and transparent about what works and what doesn't work and learn from mistakes and really be able to adapt to that. Um, so, it, you know, it's been a slow progression to get to where we're at, but, you know, that's be very much been intentional so that we can truly gauge the community's need and, and how to, like I said, really have the best impact impact. Okay. Yeah, I speaking of vulnerability and transparency, I thought of a question while you were describing, you know, the the beginnings of action in Africa and you talked about how you grew up in Aspen, Colorado and how seeing that, you know, stereotypical documentary really struck you and um I am wondering what struck you about it. Was it like the disparity, the discrepancy in, in, in privilege, you know, growing up in, in a place like Aspen, which is so beautiful, <laughs> by the way, it's a really beautiful place. Um, and just realizing, you know, the, the just like abundance of opportunities and resources there in contrast to somewhere like Uganda, like what was it about? growing up in a place like Aspen and seeing um, that documentary that, that really struck you? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a combination of a lot of things, but um, my, my biggest thing that really exposed me to kind of situations like this and how, how to kind of live outside your own comfort and, and your own experiences is I, I have an older brother that has cerebral palsy. And so from a really young age that exposed me to people with different challenges than myself. And so I spent a lot of my childhood and, um, you know, just like younger years growing up being a part of the special needs community. So going to physical therapy and occupational therapy and challenge Aspen, which is similar to like the special Olympics. So I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and then also when I was in high school, my parents went through a divorce. So those two early on challenges grew a lot of bitterness and anger in me. And that's not like really who I am as a person. And I had a hard time grappling with some of those challenges growing up. And then seeing a film such as this one about child soldiers in Uganda, it really put things in perspective, you know, that we all have challenges and we all have the struggle, you know, struggles that we go through in life, but there are like basic fundamental issues that um, just no child should ever be exposed to. And this specific example was, you know, invisible children and their kids having to flee from their homes to sleep in community centers because they were getting abducted at night and being forced to kill their family members. So it rocked my world in the sense of like, while I was personally struggling, like there were far 
are bigger things in the world and I had a lot to be grateful for. Um, so that was kind of like the, the big kind of cultural shock for me. Definitely. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about those challenges you encountered, but also so grateful that you were able to experience and grow from them in the way that you have, because not everybody looks at suffering and pain and uses it as a catalyst for amazing growth, but it looks like that is what you have done in your life. And I think also something that I've noticed just through the people that we interview through Raw and also just in my life in general is that people that who have encountered suffering at a younger age, who've encountered pain, oftentimes go on to do incredible things because you you recognize the universe like that it's universal and that there's pain and suffering everywhere and that like we can all do our like little bit to to go outside of ourselves and, and give back. Um, and so I thank you for sharing that and for giving us more insight into, you know, what, what really motivated you to, to do something as wonderful as, as action in Africa. Yeah. And I think it was like one of those first early on, um, experiences that gave me the opportunity to feel like I could actually make a difference. And it was something that I could change and be a part of. Whereas with my brother and with my parents, like it was stuff to embrace and learn and grow from, but I couldn't change any of that. Like those were the right. cards that were dealt. And, and I'm so, so, so grateful because it, it did very early on direct the rest of my life. And, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s are still searching for their purpose and something that they can get out of bed and be excited to do every day. And for whatever reason, I was blessed with the opportunity to figure that out at 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah, that is so incredible because you're so right. I mean, like midlife crises and things like that, like you see people being like, crap, like, what am yeah. I going to do with the rest of my life? And it's it's so amazing. That you found that yeah that is that's really lucky and and I thank you for diving into this question and answering it because I I do think that privilege is so important to talk about and I get really frustrated with um people who you know I've I've had experiences where I've um talked about nonprofits I really care about let's say that are like going on in Africa or like a developing country and especially with like um unfortunately, with, like, white people who are running them, I've heard a lot of, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, that's so much, like, white privilege, like, you're being the hero that, like, just really being negative on it, and I I do think there is some validity there, like, it's really important to recognize privilege and where we come from and all that we have, but, like, being negative and feeling guilty about it and criticizing people who are doing good work because of their race or their background is just not helpful in any way. And so I really try to, when it presents itself, bring up privilege because I I think that's a topic that needs to be talked about and it's hard to talk about it. And like, that's why we need to acknowledge it because otherwise it just stays under the surface and like causes a lot of tension. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for answering this. Um, okay. So you touched on this a little bit, but you started or, or joined with Action in Africa at a really young age. And I'm curious about what it's been like to grow alongside it and what it was like being in high school and involved in something like this, because high schoolers don't always care about these type of things. Um, and just wondering about that and 
you know, were there ever moments where you wanted to quit or you were unsure or anything like that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, it's been such a process. And if you had asked me when I was 15 years old, you know, will, will you be running Action Africa and living in Uganda? You know, I probably I would have laughed and said, like, where's Uganda? You know, like there would have been so many other different directions my life could have gone. Um, and they, it has certainly come with challenges, you know, being 15 and then 20 and now 27, like I'm still really young and in the grand scheme of things often feel um, too small to be doing something like this um, and inadequate to be able to be doing something like this. It's a constant battle, you know, who am I to be running an organization like this that affects hundreds of people every single day? Like how do I really know that I'm doing the best that I can? Um, I thankfully have been able to now surround myself with, with an incredible Ugandan team who really, you know, lead all of the programs and projects and are the ones that really execute our day-to-day -day operations, which is great. Um, but there have been a handful of times where I have to take a step back and breathe for a second and like compose myself because it would be really easy to want to quit in certain, certain circumstances. And I'm sure that's a little bit of the nature of the work I'm in, but also working in a country like Uganda definitely comes with some challenges. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. And I really admire your ability to be honest about those challenging moments and also just, you know, admit that like, no, I don't have it all figured out. Like I, I started doing this when I was 15. I'm only 27. And like, you're just you're figuring out along the way and you're making such an, an impact by embracing that like uncertainty and acknowledging um and being honest about those challenges like I think that's really brave so I I really admire that well thank you you know we're we're doing the best that we can and we love the work that we do um I'll never forget the first time we now have 11 full-time em employ Ugandan employees and another 19 part-time and contract workers and I'll never forget three years ago when I had to let go of an employee, which was the first time I've ever had to do that. And it, and then it made me acknowledge like we actually have employees, which I was like, this is crazy. I'm 24. How do I have employees? I have to fire employees. Like it, it was like one of those really big reality checks where I was like, wow, I'm like, we're really doing this. This right. is the real deal. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the challenges where I was like, wow, this is adult <laughs> life. Yeah. And like kind of like you spoke of a little bit of that like a feeling of imposter syndrome. Like who am I to be doing this? Like I'm so young. Like I yeah. feel like, oh, that's just – I feel like that's such a universal feeling. Like especially for young people doing incredible work like you but also just for anyone because we have this tendency to have those like fearful thoughts and those thoughts of staying small and feeling like, I'm over what like who am I to do this I'm, I'm just human like I'm I'm just one person and that's really cool that you acknowledge this but then continue to like do the work and show up anyway <laughs> yes showing up Half just sh showing up one foot in front of the other um okay so you you touched on this as well but so you lived in Uganda for was it three years 
full time. Yeah, yeah, I just lived the last three and a half years um, in Uganda on the ground, overseeing our programs and projects and going through the process of hiring people to oversee it. So I don't have to anymore. Um, But I went, you know, I lived there three and a half years, but I came back and forth quite a bit. Um, So I feel silly, kind of silly saying that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's still a good amount of time. Um, So what was it like, like living so close to your job? Like, did you feel like you had like a work life balance? Or was it all kind of like one entity? Yeah, so I don't really have a separation between like me as an individual and like the work that I do. You know, I very much mixed into all of it. My personal life and my social life and my professional life is all action in Africa, which is great. I love it. And I'm so, so, so lucky. Um, And being able to have the opportunity to live in Uganda and be really in the mix of it and a part of it every single day uh, was so powerful. Like, I think I think it's what made me really good at what I do. There's something to be said about living amongst the community you're trying to serve. I've seen a lot of organizations who will do a lot of back and forth and never really be permanent. And I would imagine that to be very difficult. Um, so it definitely gave us the leg up as far as building really intentional relationships and like really developing a community, um, because it, there was no separation. Like we are action Africa and we all live together and we work together and we support each other. Um, so it was, you know, arguably the best three years of my life. It was amazing. Yeah. That, that I just feel like is so hard for even like I've I've done some nonprofit work, I've gone on like some mission trips and I I it's so hard for me to even fathom. I feel like for the everyday person to fathom what it's like to like live and work in a space like that where where the work that you're doing, this this thing that you've built with your team, it's it's every day. It's it's not like, oh I go home at five and you know, I watch Netflix. Like it's like you you're there you're there. <laughs> you're in it. Yeah, I li- so I lived right on site in our community center, um, which was so fun. Also very challenging towards the end, but like I thought it was so cute that all the kids knew which window was my bedroom window, and I thought that was so fun and so cute. And then, you know, it's nonstop. It's a community center. There are people there almost twenty four seven. So towards the end of my stay there, I did try to live in Kampala. Um, which is the capital, and it was like 20 minutes outside from our location. Um, and I still, I think, six nights a week ended up staying out at the village and on site because I just loved it, and it was easier, and it made more sense, and I just I couldn't get away. Yeah, well, that well, shows that. I guess that's what it's like when you really love what you're doing, <laughs> when you really when when that's really true. There, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so because, like you said, you're you know work-life balance it was more like one entity I'm curious like what did self-care look like for you in like that season of of being in Uganda yeah so we were in such early phases of hiring people and moving and establishing programs and projects that um, I that was really like what I wanted to do and where I was channeling my energy and what made me happy and what like really fueled my passion. Um, I also, our vice president is one of my best friends. Um, and she has been on and off on the ground in Uganda with me, which has been really fun and like really good for my soul. Um, so that's been really nice as I started to transition to being stateside and now being stateside, I'm really trying to embrace this idea of self care 
Um, I think there's something to be really powerful, something powerful to be said about like, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. And unfortunately, in this industry and in this field, there's a huge rate of burnout. And I don't want to be a victim of that. And I don't want to ever leave action in Africa feeling that way or resentful or bitter or exhausted. Like I want to find a balance between that. Um, so the last couple of months I've been really embracing yoga and have like really made that a part of my every single day, um, which has been a beautiful thing and needed it more than I ever acknowledged or would have thought. Um, and you know, like trying to have like a, a steady, like work schedule will be nice and little things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, there's so much wisdom in, in what you said. And that's actually why. I ask that question, not in every interview, but, you know, here at Raw, we're interviewing creatives, which we have a very broad definition for that term. Creative doesn't mean painter. I mean, it does, but it also means, like, someone like you who's literally creating, like, being a part every day of creating something that's really beautiful. Um, But with that comes a lot of, um, it's a lot of, like, pressure and responsibility and, I think people who tend to do this type of work, like you said, in this field have this giving mentality and just like in their hearts, like they have so much to give um, that sometimes self-care can be hard, like when you're wanting to just like show up for everyone. Um, But I like to say that like self-care is group care, kind of like what you were saying, like if you're able to fill yourself up and find those little things, like you said, I'm not talking about like, I mean, going to like a secluded cabin for like three months unless that's what you really need but more about everyday things like you said like yoga or just those little moments um can really just make such of a difference like you said in preventing burnout and just being more centered so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you found yoga and other and other little um just like habits to to help yeah I'm also a writer or well not writer but I journal every day and like that has been a game changer in my life as well so between those two I feel like I'm making more of an effort yeah journaling is awesome I'm very much admire that you do it every day because I definitely don't do it every day I, I would say I do it like a couple times a week and I always love when I do it when I make time to do it For, like I've just like never been someone who who's done it like every day because it then it starts to feel like a like a hassle for me like I'm like forcing myself and so I I feel like I'm more of a like oh inspiration's striking me all right but yeah we'll see if that ever changes (laughs) um so you mentioned this a little bit that um you know you you have such a great team and And we really believe that, you know, we are who we are because of the people who pour into us and who support us and believe in us. And so we are wondering who are some of the people that have poured into you? Obviously not all of them, but any ones you can think of that you'd like to shout out or share about. Oh, gosh. Well, I mentioned Maggie, who's our vice president and funny story in high school she's a couple years younger in high school she was best friends with my boyfriend so she was you know every girl's worst nightmare the pretty blonde girl that was very threatening although it's the kindest human being alive um so we weren't close in high school but we reconnected through invisible children and going to a couple different conferences and she's such a free spirit um was went 
on her own journey as far as going to school for a semester, traveling for a semester, would come to Uganda for a semester, would go back to school. So like really has just been on her own journey, which I've admired so much. Um, And she came to Uganda to help me move into our community center three years ago. And from that moment, decided to not go back to school and ended up staying in Uganda with me for, I think, eight months. Um, And like really, yeah, like really helped launch, you know, our Muganda bracelet program, which helped get kids back into school. She did our website. She does all of our creative stuff. Um, and like, she has been probably the greatest blessing in my life in the last three years, um, on a personal level and, um, a professional level. She's really taken our organization to the next level and, um, has gone through a lot of crazy personal stuff with me as well the last three years. So she's my ride or die, and I'm just really lucky to have her in my life. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That sounds like such a special like friendship and just person to have. And I think that's so funny, like the beginnings of it, that you weren't, you know, friends in high oh, school. We joke about it all the time. And then my ex-boyfriend, who's still one of my very good friends and one of her very good friends, is like, this is the strangest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> It is. It's interesting. It's like fascinating how that happens, how like the people that we were when we were teenagers can be reintroduced and brought together through, you know, like work that you're passionate about. Like you said, you know, children like coming back through that. That's so funny. I had I had a friend like that. I was really, really involved in a nonprofit called I Am That Girl for a good portion at the end of high school and through college. And there was a girl at my high school who, like, I did not like her. Like, I was just like, she sucks. Like, she was just, like, part. she was, like, a super partier, and I was very judgmental of her, and I was just like, she's just, like, mean. Like, I don't like her. And then in college, we reconnected through I Am That Girl, and now she's, like, one of the people that, like, I admire most, like, in this world. Like, she's such a wonderful person, and I, like, look back at this teenager I was, and I'm like, how did I even think that like that's so crazy (laughs) so it is funny how um you know like nonprofits or just passions or things uh can bring people together again (laughs) um okay so we are actually getting towards the end here so here's the question that I warned you about um but would would you mind sharing with us when you feel the most raw Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's funny. That's been like in the back of my mind since you mentioned it. (laughs) So I'm like, what would my answer be? Um, I think like when I, mm, that's such a good question. I I really want to like nail the answer. Um, I don't know. I think there's like certain moments in Uganda where you get the opportunity to embrace the impact and how profound the work is that we are so blessed to do. So like, I think I'm the most raw when I'm in Uganda. And when, you know, like, for example, we have a girl named Mary, who is the first girl that we started sponsoring 10 years ago. And she recently graduated high school. And now she's working at Action in Africa and overseeing one of our programs that's responsible for feeding 400 kids a day at a school. And when she walks in the gate, I always have this like moment where I have to like catch my breath and be like, this is real life. Like this is a kid that didn't know if she'd finish school or where she would be or what she'd be doing. And she not only has a job, but she herself as an individual is responsible for feeding 400 children a day. 
And um, in addition to that, she's making money and saving money so that she can put herself through university. So, you know, there's 10 times a day where I have moments like that, where I get to be a part of these people and their lives and know that collectively we were able to change their lives, but now knowing that they're changing other lives Um, and being in the mix of that and being a part of that is, is just such an incredible feeling. Wow. That's like really profound. I feel like I got chills listening to that. I, I mean, again, like it's hard. I feel like for, for someone myself who's like never been to Uganda or like never visited the center to fully know what that feels like, but just hearing you describe it, I can imagine that that's like a really powerful feeling. Um, I think you nailed that one. Well, and the craziest part about that too is like, that's one example. And right. there are, I can't even count how many a day with families and kids and schools where we have those moments. You know, we as a, a team have this running joke where like, we will just be like overwhelmed with excitement being like, we have the best jobs in the world. And like, we all run around saying that every single day. And it's because of the life changing work that we get to be a part of. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, just like speaks volumes about the amazing team that you are a part of and the work that you're doing. Um, And like I said, I I really do think that you hit that one. You nailed it. Thank you for this opportunity and being able to share our story. And hopefully um, it inspires and encourages somebody else to, you know, chase after what they're passionate about and what they believe in. Um, I certainly didn't think that this would be my life, but because I saw an opportunity and leaned into it, I, like I've said a million times this interview, now have the best job in the world. And I think it's really easy to miss opportunities. So like the more that people can be open to them and lean into them, um, I think people would be shocked as what can follow and what can unfold. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Can you like share where people can find you or your work, like websites or social media or whatever you feel comfortable sharing? Because I feel like people are going to listen and be like, cool, I want to learn more. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Our organization is called Action in Africa. And our website is actioninafrica.com. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. It's all of our handles are action in Africa. Um, and then me personally, my name's Sarah Nininger. So that's how you can find me. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to get involved or has any questions, um, or wants to come and visit us in Uganda, definitely, definitely reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rothenticity today. We had a great time making this episode and hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us at www.rothenticity.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Rothenticity. If you loved this episode, you should subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. We also want to give a huge shout out to Rachel Clevenger. That rocking music you heard at the beginning was beautifully composed by her. We'll see you next week when we sit down with another incredible creative.